For those listening for the first time, I have my first sponsor, and I could not think of a better one than mempool.space, a fantastic Bitcoin block explorer. We are still using Wiz's mempool here, but like most things in my life, I'm moving towards free and open source software, and you get that with this Bitcoin block explorer. So you do not need to trust Wiz's mempool, i.e. mempool.space. You can easily host it yourself. More to come on this front at the park in 2023. But Mempool is becoming much more than your traditional block explorer. It is becoming a multi-layer explorer from layer 0 Mempool, layer 1 the Bitcoin blockchain, layer 2 plus like Lightning, Liquid, and more. And that more part is for those interested in Bitcoin mining. They have a robust mining dashboard which I check every day. So give it a shot yourself at mempool.space. My second show supporter and it is Blockstream Jade. Blockstream Jade is an open source hardware wallet for the cold storage of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Layer 2 assets on Liquid, such as stablecoins and security tokens. I personally only use my Blockstream Jade for storing Bitcoin, but that is me. Blockstream Jade houses a camera and full-color display, allowing for fully air-gapped Bitcoin transactions. You can scan and display QR codes directly on the device to sign transactions and verify addresses with ease and peace of mind. You can manage your assets from mobile or desktop with Jade-compatible wallets such as Blockstream Green, Blue Wallet, Electrum, and my personal choice and favorite, Sparrow. Go to blockstream.com forward slash Jade, J-A-D-E, to learn more and also buy one if you are so inclined. It's logistically complicated to, to fund people. Um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to like issue grants and very methodical approach that uh, Connor and everyone on the team who's involved take to funding people. And so I think we can do you know a better job of kind of having more of a playbook to answer any questions that people might have to what we've done and to kind of make it easier uh, for other people to start up something similar. Um, but I also think that's a great way too for people who want to contribute to Bitcoin and they're not necessarily like a developer or designer and they don't know how. Um, but if you know you're interested in funding people, like that is a great way to get involved and help rally support and take away that logistical pressure um, to make it possible and more easier to pay people. Welcome to the Builders in Bitcoin podcast, a podcast about the people who bring Bitcoin to life. I'm your host, Rod, and I go by the handle BitKite on Twitter, and I'm also on Noster. You can find my NPUB pinned to my Twitter profile. I had the pleasure of talking with Haley Burko, Program Manager at Spiral. Haley is a prime example of someone leveraging non-technical skills to make a valuable contribution to the Bitcoin ecosystem, demonstrated through her ability to facilitate and manage open source projects and the developers behind them. In this episode, we discuss and dig into the goals and responsibilities of a program manager, the importance of facilitation in removing logistical pressure from developers, how to proliferate open source grant programs and build community, and a whole lot more. I really enjoyed my conversation with Haley, and I hope you will too. So let's just jump right in. Haley, welcome to the Builders in Bitcoin podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well as well. And uh, it was great to finally meet you in person last week uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it was an honor to host you and the entire Spiral team. So hopefully you guys found it productive and uh, an awesome time. Yeah, it was great to meet you and so many other people at Bitcoin Park. And it was so great to be there and 
see all the energy and all the things going on that you don't maybe see on a day to day. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think especially, well, not especially working in the open source community, but I will, you know, typically there's not a space or, um, you're often meeting with your colleagues, um, in person. And so having that opportunity, whether it's once a year, once a quarter to kind of get together, to hash it out, to have a beer, to socialize, I think, I truly do think it goes a long way. Yeah, it definitely does. The spiral team tries to get together roughly three times a year and people are going to different conferences and stuff, but um, it's definitely really amazing to meet people outside of Spiral and other open source projects. So I love that Bitcoin Park kind of is a, an area where everyone comes to. And so it's really fun to meet a bunch of people that I had never met in person before. We're going to uh, dive into that a little later on for sure. But I do want to ask, how the heck does someone like yourself get in? Because I, I, there's a spectrum here and I'll, and I'll let me tee you up because there's, you know, for me at least, I worked in the corporate world, the corporate tech world, then I'm now f- very, very fortunate to have my time, capital, and reputation all in on Bitcoin. But you took it even one step further, right? And now you're devoted, you're all of those things, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, and now you're working in the open source Bitcoin world. Like, how did you get to this point that you're working at Spiral full-time? Yeah, my journey to Spiral is kind of, funny and unique, but yeah, now I'm a program manager at Spiral. I used to be an executive assistant, uh, which if you don't know what that is, you basically support executives and their teams doing operational work and then calendar management events and things like that. So I did that at Block, which really known as Square. I was on um, various teams for two and a half years as an executive assistant. And then I also worked at two startups prior to that as an executive assistant. So I have a lot background as an executive assistant. And um, as an executive assistant, you you do wear various hats and you, I, especially in the startup land, you're doing lots of things. You have to be proactive. You work with lots of different personality types. You're kind of the person that's behind the scenes that gets stuff done and just makes things run smoothly, doing operational work, um, project management, et cetera. Um, and I love that, but I'd always kind of wanted to do something different and get more involved with projects versus the kind of calendar management um, executive support side is is fun, but time consuming. Um, so it had been something that I had thought about for a long time. And it actually took me about a year to find a new job. I really wanted to stay within block if I could. And um, I had made a various connections and networked a lot through kind of the various teams that I supported and kind of just made it a journey to at least meet with one to two people per week for about a year to kind of explore different opportunities at block and different teams. So I learned about a lot of different teams and, um, I had met Steve Lee, uh, probably like a year and a half before I started looking for a new job. And he does not have an executive assistant, um, but he needed help with the Bitcoin Optic event. And I had had the time. So I met him through that and I helped plan the Bitcoin Optic event, uh, I think in 2019. And um, that's how I learned about Bitcoin, honestly, was through Steve and the Bitcoin Optic event. And he used to go around to different teams and teach them about Bitcoin and do kind of like book club reviews. And so he came to a lot of the different teams that I support. So I heard his spiel a bunch of different times and it, it grabbed my interest. Um, I love working with smart 
passionate people. And I don't think I've ever met anyone who loves their job as much and is so passionate as Steve is about Bitcoin and what he does. So um, yeah, through my process, I was learning about Bitcoin and kind of reached out to him. And from there, we kind of created this role. So that's how you got into Bitcoin was, hey, you know, Steve is coming around. You helped him with the Bitcoin opt-in. By the way, was that event in San Francisco? Um, yeah. Uh, okay. In 2019? Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I'd heard about it, um, but I had not gone down the rabbit hole and um, for no really reason in particular. But um, then when I did in person see him and other people like so passionate about it, that's when I kind of started to learn more and kind of learn about what Square Crypto, which is now called Spiral, what they do. And so, yeah, that's how I kind of first learned about Bitcoin. Well, talk about fast tracking directly to like the end point and having Steve and Jack and those resources that were so big and miles and like mission focused on Bitcoin. And also in a, I, I feel like a very positive way explaining the differences between Bitcoin, crypto, and the current fiat system so that it's attainable for someone that has those questions to say, oh, that is in, in a very welcoming way, if you will. Um, that's awesome. That's a great story. And then Steve, this position just came up or how did this come about for you to join the Spiral team? <laughs> um, well, I reached out to him on a whim. Honestly, I didn't even think he was going to reply. And I was basically like, you know, I'm looking for a new role at Block and here are my strengths. Um, if you think that there could be a position for like a non-technical person on your team and ways to add value, like this is what I can do. I don't know a lot about Bitcoin, but I'm eager to learn and I'm going to put the time in. And uh, it just happened to be that he had like a whole list of projects that um, he was thinking about and he needed help with. And we started talking for a while and kind of grilled me on a few things and kind of gave me some like tester projects and I dipped my toes in. And then, yeah, basically we kind of created this position. So I've been on the team now for almost two years. So let me back up and like tell the timeline. So you did the Bitcoin Optech. So that was like your first kind of experiment, you dipping your toe into the Bitcoin world and then also working with Steve. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of maintain that relationship. And by the way, Pro tip for whoever is listening that wants to find their next opportunity or challenge or like passion project, continue to network and meet as many people as possible and stay in touch and don't make it very superficial, but actually try to develop those relationships because uh, you never know. And then you kind of maintained, you know, from Steve coming into these book clubs and other talks and then you proactively reaching out to him. And then doing some experiments. Now, mind you, I know you're paid, but this is also in your extra time that you were doing this. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. For about a year, I spent a lot of time um, talking to various people at Block, outside Block, kind of doing career, kind of just exploratory chats. And so I was working a lot um, to kind of figure that out. And yeah, even though I didn't know much about Bitcoin, I've always been very just kind of like interested, honestly, in money and not just from like, you know, like making money, but um, just being smart about saving money and um, kind of learning. I learned a lot, took a lot of time to learn about investing years ago. And I've always been the go-to person and my friends just to like help set up like, you know, retirement accounts or, um, you know, Schwab or just anything money related, that's always been me as kind of like a go-to. So, um, and I've had lots of conversations with people where it's, 
think confusing. So learning more about Bitcoin, I was like, okay, wow, this is definitely up my alley and interest. Wow. So you at a youngerish age, or is this more like college or post-college that you're really interested in money in the sense that of just from a wealth preservation and being really smart about it? Like, I'm just curious to know, like, so there's some kids that were like, just, you know, saving nickels and pennies and then stacking them, you know, uh, to hopefully buy like that Nintendo, not to date myself, but, um, I don't know what, what the cool kids play nowadays, probably like an Xbox or something. But anyways, I digress. Um, to, uh, oh, you know what? I actually just want to buy a home eventually. So the, this is the financial planning that I need to personally do. I'm just curious to know at like what age, because this is such a great way, segue into Bitcoin, which I think, lowercase b, is the best asset to preserve my future purchasing power for the things I aspire for in life. Yeah, it definitely started at a really young age. Um, basically, my parents told me that if I wanted a car, I was going to have to pay for it. And I really wanted a car. Um, so I bought my first car and I saved Rock on. Yeah, for a long time to buy my car. Um, so I, I've always had jobs. I used to babysit. I lifeguarded forever. Um, tutoring, like through high school, like was always working. Um, and I just like in college I worked. And so I've always just been very like saving mindset with my money. Um, so yeah, that kind of started at as a young age, but it wasn't until like my twenties that I kind of was like learning about ways to like gain interest. And, um, I was like, wow, I kind of wish I learned about that. Cause I had saved all this money and hey, does your interest in on anything. <laughs> oh man. Um, we're not going to go to the, through the ills of the fiat system on this podcast, but, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I have some battle scars as well. But I, so now you're at Spiral as a program manager. So what does that entail for you? It's kind of two parts. So since Spiral is part of Block, um, I help project manage like a lot of kind of like Spiral specific projects. So like there's our own content and marketing and events and sponsorships and operational things within Spiral. But then I also contribute to various open source projects as like a program manager, project manager, um, whatever you want to call it. So there's been a lot of different projects that I've worked on, various ones throughout the years um, that kind of change here and there. So it, it definitely changes day to day on what I'm doing. So, so let me ask you that because I'm, uh, okay, I love Bitcoin. I love my community. I love my family. One thing I also love is time optimization, really being critical about my calendar and where I'm spending my time. And is this the max value of that time? Like 24 hours in a day, try to get eight hours of sleep. Not happening right now, but I try. And then I'm with those 16 hours, it's like, is this the best use of my time? And for you, and you wrote this in your, uh, I believe in your Medium post, it's like you don't really have a defined role. It's like rolling up to a specific objective and then you're figuring out as your own kind of boss to figure out, figure that out. I'm very, very curious for someone as you who has a very high output uh, threshold because of I experienced it last week with how many things you guys um, were working on and getting done just here in Nashville. How do you organize like even your day to day? Yeah, I mean, it definitely changes. Um, basically, like at Spiral, we, we try to set quarterly goals. Um, so... Some projects are, you know, a quarter long, some are ongoing, some are three quarters, whatever, four quarters long. So um, we try to aim for long projects and at the beginning of the 
the quarter, like we each individually sit down with Steve and we kind of talk about like what we're interested in working on, kind of what's maybe something that he's thinking about that we're not. Um, and so we set those quarterly goals and uh, write them down. And then we grade ourselves at the end of the quarter if we nice. did them or not to like hold ourselves accountable. So I definitely reference that doc quite often to make sure I'm actually doing the things I said I was going to do because <laughs> sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh, I said I was going to do that. I'm glad I checked. Um, so that helps. And um, yeah, we, we basically have no meetings on our team. Um, That's have, awesome. So it is a little harder to organize your time and get things done during the day. I will say potentially someone who used to probably, and I'm not uh, maybe doing a lot of meetings in a past life because that's just the way the corporate world worked. Um, I used to actually like these kind of goals. I'd print them out and like uh, tape it to the to the, the doors of our office when I was managing some teams and be like, hey, every day we got to look at this because to your point, I agree. If it's in a, like a Google Doc, how often am I going back into that Google Doc and referencing it? But if it's printed out on a piece of paper and I have to walk by it every single day, so and so does the team, it, it makes it Hopefully, it makes it more attainable and uh, more focused, if you will. Um, so, but by the way, just so I get it clear, like there's like probably not half your time, but like there's two parts to your role where there's the spiral role, like making sure like spiral is on track and in general from the that whole whole world, and then there's actually you contributing to open source uh, projects that you're passionate about. Is that is that a fair summary? Yeah, that's a fair summary. So where where is your passion right now? Where are some of the projects that you're working on? Some of the projects I'm working on. So um, I contribute to the Lightning Development Kit, which all of our engineers contribute to. But I do so more in like a content manager way. So I manage the blog post. Um, getting engineers to write is always a, a fun <laughs> activity. Um, the social, the Twitter account. Um, kind of staying on top of what's going on, case studies, things like that. Continuously learning about um, LDK, I, ch- I try to to learn about it. Um, and then Bitcoin Design Community, I contribute to. So um, helping kind of with their conference presence and how we're going to make it easier for developers and de- designers to collaborate together. How we can improve um, how they work together, like how we can market the Bitcoin design community better to designers and also to developers. Um, how do we can kind of get more commercial projects to also use the Bitcoin design community too. Um, and then there's also the Bitcoin product community, which is newly launched right now. It's just a discord server, but we're going to be launching blog posts, website, kind of social, more formal way. But um, that's basically a way um, for people who are not necessarily like a developer or designer to have a space to collaborate, learn from each other. We're trying to get more product manager type people involved in various open source projects to bring more organization, communication, um, advocacy for resources, things like that. So that's been really fun. Holy shnikes. Okay. So we got LDK, you got the Bitcoin design community, you got this new community, the Bitcoin product uh, uh, manager community. Like uh, not to go all the way back to my first question, which is like, how do you organize your time such that you're tracking towards all of these probably aspirational goals? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I set goals and how I want to contribute to these various projects. So I want to help with marketing and advocacy. And so 
the ways I contribute to these projects is how can we market and advocate for these projects in a better way. So try to, to your, to your point, there's like endless ways that you can like contribute to a project. And sometimes Steve has to call us out on that. Like, okay, stay a little more <laughs> focused. Um, Cause it's just like a rabbit hole. And for people who maybe are wanting to contribute and they're not a developer or designer and don't know where to start. I mean, you can reach out to me or anyone else. There's, there's too many projects. So um, definitely staying focused into what your focus area is and not getting too distracted. Totally. One of the tips I've found to be useful, well, a number of tips, but here's a couple. One, just going to your local meetup and just kind of exploring and learning a little bit more about Bitcoin. You'll Undoubtedly, if it's a good Bitcoin-focused meetup, there will be some open source component to it. Um, but also joining, the, you mentioned, Haley, a, the Discord. There's a Bitcoin design community, Slack. Even if you're a lurker and you th- feel like you're just a LARP, you're not a LARP. You, like lurk in there, just figure out what's going on, how pe- what people are working on. There's a lot of community calls and you guys do a great job of these community calls. Steven Delorme, shout out to him. He does a great job with the Bitcoin design community calls. Uh, there's a number of these that you can just listen in. You don't have to participate. There's no homework or quiz or, you know, call you out. It's just, it's very, very welcoming, especially for the non-developers. And that's an area I, I really want to focus with you on because I feel like you're doing a, now getting to better know you. We need more Steve Lees, if you will, in the non-developer community to bring more people in and then to um, for an alumni of yours that I'm going to date myself. Do you know who John Stockton is? Yes. Okay. You're like John Stockton. <laughs> You're just throwing out dimes, putting people in the per- perfect position to be the Carl Malone, uh, if you will, and, you know, be the best they can be. And, you know, you're just John Stockton. Um, that's what I see you in this role, especially with all the different projects that you're working on. Um, which is really, really exciting. So like, I guess this is for the audience that's listening to this podcast. It's weird. Don't be paralyzed by the complexity or where to start. I think it's kind of lurk. And then proactively to Haley's point earlier, when she went through this process, it was around networking. Reach out to folks. You'd be surprised by the uh, response rate and the type of people that actually will respond to you. Um, I'll get off my soapbox for a second, but um, I don't know if you had any other thoughts there. Yeah. The networking and relationship building part is huge. Um, And especially in this type of role, I think a key thing that Steve has done is really connect people within the space and that a lot of that starts from building different relationships. And I try to do that too, um, meet with various people. And what I've found is a lot of people, like especially developers, will get, you know, so narrowed into what they're working on and they do want to do more of that advocacy position. They want to be on podcasts. They want to write, they want to do these things, but like, that's not their necessarily like first priority because they're, they're coding. Um, so something that I try to do is, you know, connect people to be like, Hey, you should go on this podcast or we need to write this blog post. And people don't say no, really they'll do yeah. it. Like last week, I got a lot of different people on podcasts and that Crushed that it. helps raise awareness. And so just kind of being organized and building relationships and, connecting people different places, I think can help a lot. It's really amazing to me. It's good. To your point, it's not top of mind, but it's like, oh, it's, yeah, I should do that. Oh, thanks for uh, teeing that up. Oh, you put it on the calendar. Fantastic. Thanks. Like taking the logistical um, 
steps off people's plate, even though it may seem, I don't know what the right word is, but so minute or so obvious, it goes a long way, especially some like hardcore developers that are just so in it and then they don't, you know, pop their head up to just get on a podcast. Like shout out to Matt. Matt crushed it last week. And thanks to Haley and a lot of folks that were behind the scenes organizing. But I think he recorded five amazing Citadel dispatches, one pretty much a day starting on Tuesday um, last week. So go check those out. I think we had the LDK team. We had the BDK team. We had Steve Lee. Yeah. We had Casey from ordinals.com, which is separate. Um, and it was, uh, I cannot wait to catch up on it. I feel like I, I had a cheat code because I got to hang out with everybody and talk to them. Uh, but I also get to, uh, so we have a no photos policy here at, at the park, uh, unless everyone's opted in and, and so on. Um, but this is our way of capturing the moment is through these podcasts. So thanks again, uh, for behind the scenes, uh, to make, make a lot of that happen. Yeah. And I think you nailed it by saying like taking the logistical pressure off. Um, I definitely feel like that is huge. Like people want to do things. They want to get together. They want to have events. They want to be speaking. They want to be writing. They, you know, they want to do all these things, but I think logistics do get in the way. And it's interesting with open source community because I feel like a lot of people do join the open source community to kind of get away from, you know, maybe like more like structured, organized things that you're more prevalent in corporations. Um, so it's even less of that where <laughs> you kind of have to step in more, but um, not not to make it like, you know, super corporate or centralized, but just, you know, getting the word out. Yeah, 100%. It's kind. It's kind of like this accordion. I feel well. Like there's like the corporate world where we going back to the meetings where it's like your full calendar is like filled with like thirty minute, one hour, t- t- uh, touch base, one on one. You know, whatever that takes away from the actual purposeful work. And then you go all the way to this next spectrum, which is one sentence goal and figure out how to get there in the next like you know three, six, nine, twelve months or whatever how long the grant is. And then you play this like accordion. It's trying to bring it all together while giving everyone the freedom to uh, make it happen. And then the one point I will make is providing guidelines or guardrails um, just to set everyone's expectations, I think does go a long way. And I think you do an exceptional job of that as well to say, all right, here's kind of the game plan for, you know, this event for this week. Here are the what we have. Here's all like the FAQs already planned out for you. If you have any questions, here's like hotel options. Here's this. And that's just from a program management standpoint for this. And that's like 90% of like maybe questions for folks that are traveling from out of town, driving in, and so on. And then they're able to maximize their time even more so. And then taking that into these other communities where Going on the social Discord, for example, uh, I don't know if this is something that you're involved in, but just helping set the general guidelines or or tone, if you will, not to say, hey, you know, inhibit speech, but hey, here's just kind of what this community is about. We're not keyboard commandos. We're not telephone tough guys. That's somewhere else you want to go and vent your, uh, you know, there's Twitter for you over there. We're focused on this project and getting this this done and talking about this, you know, project or protocol here. In a, you know, in this way. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think too, uh, like coming from more corporate worlds and kind of having a more formal position is when you come to the open source space and you, you can definitely bring this like logistical organizational skills, but being conscious about 
your tone and style to adjust to open source ways. Um, there's ways you speak to people and organize details and the corporate world that like wouldn't go over as well in open source land. So um, just being mindful of not too corporate with your comms and stuff like that. Yeah, I I kind of get. Uh, yeah, I got to work on that as well because I'm sometimes too direct with the questions and the statements, and then I also am sometimes too loose. So there's like that fine balance, if you will. Uh, but that's me. That's something I'm working on. Um, the other area I, I'm really interested in is like, how do you think about, or, or what are some best ways to get these non-developers into working? or spending some of their time in the Bitcoin community, whether it's the design community, potentially this new community, the product management community, like what are some of the best ways that you've seen? I definitely think that it really helps to have grassroots movements like Bitcoin Park, like these type of events are huge and the community is really important. And that's something that's like very unique, especially when honestly, when it comes to like money, like people trying to learn about investing or, saving their money or what have you with, with fiat, like people learn about it, but they're not necessarily like contributing to it. So it's really unique that we can have this community of, of Bitcoiners where you're working on something that you're really passionate, but you're also using it and it's kind of building all these things. So um, I think the community is a great way for people to make friends and socialize, which is harder as you're an adult and you're not in college and you're not going into the office and you don't have this like in office like community anymore um and so i think that draws people in is like forming connections and so whether that's in slack or discord or signal or telegram or it's in person at events it's drawing people in to the community aspect um and then just kind of people who are already in the bitcoin community just to be kind of mindful about how they can best draw people in and not kind of just being like, oh, it's, you know, it's obvious. Like we have, it says Discord on the website. So people know that that's where you go. It's a community. I'm like, I don't think a lot of people know what Discord is and maybe even developers too. And so just kind of making that more clear that this is where you go um, and just not assuming that people know that's where the community is. Uh, totally. And I'll, just some best practices around our meetup and just the the park in general, I think, uh, follow like anything in life, consistency and follow up. Uh, if you can nail those two, you're probably 90% of the way there for life and being living somewhat a successful life, especially professionally consistency in terms of, um, your messaging and what you're all about. So at the park, you know, I mentioned their guidelines around Bitcoin, the monetary network, which is the capital B and then Bitcoin, the lowercase B being the reserve asset. Every single person that comes to our meetup, knows that that's what we're talking about. There's no crypto, there's no altcoins, there's no NFTs, there's no LFTs. By the way, the LFTs was a joke. And then Matt Odell, a quick story, he like pulls me aside after one time. He's like, dude, what's an LFT? I'm like, oh, I just made that up. I was just like on a riff. He's like, okay. He's like, uh, you, you stumped me for a second. I'm like, all right, man. Um, but maybe that will become a thing. You know, oh, you know? man, I really hope not. But maybe it does. Like what? So we have non-fungible tokens. We have low fungible tokens or something like that. Lateral fungible tokens. Yeah. Um, but making it in a fun-ish environment where I think I said this at the meetup uh, when Steve and your team was there. I was like, me and Matt want to make this. We have like basically three hours. This is the best three hours that uh, you're going to spend anywhere in the world this month uh, learning about Bitcoin. And we take a lot of pride and responsibility in that. 
And so uh, we try to make that happen every month with the speakers we invite, the, the topics we curate and, and such. Um, I had a point on that, but I was going off on the whole LFT uh, rant here. <laughs> Um, no, I, I was just going to say too, that with forming communities, I really like how Bitcoin park has like, you know, Nashville bit devs, which is, you know, very technical Socratic seminars. That's great for developers. I can go for a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, you guys lost me when you're talking about bolts and covenants or whatever. Um, and like everyone's hand goes up and I'm like, don't know what that is. Um, but then I like how Bitcoin park also has events that are, you know, a little less technically focused. So it can bring in a different crowd of people. So, think that's important too with communities is forming various ones that attract different groups so people just don't feel super lost with technical events and maybe don't even need to go to those um and there's other events that they can go to that are more interesting to them 100 and that's the point i wanted to make which is we do a different topic every month so mining in january uh foss feb february um, and then March is economics incentives, and then the list goes on. Go to our Discord on the left-hand side. You can see the, the, all the topics for the next 12 months. And then the – so we bring – it's just natural. We don't like zero in on a, a specific um, demographic or socioeconomic background. We just invite everybody and try to make it the most welcoming as possible. And if you kind of take a, a, a look at the landscape, if you will – we have very young people, some like we have actually, well, now he's in college, but he used to be in high school and he would take two buses just to come to our meetups. Um, we have a lot of college students that come to our, our, our meetups. Uh, we have a lot of elderly people, like retired people that drive in from hours to just to come to our meetup. And then we have men, women, different uh, backgrounds of people where they're from. And it's, we didn't focus on this. We just focused on Bitcoin. And it's been really amazing and surprising, if you will. So I guess my, my point there is sometimes people can go super focused on an area, which is still very good, but taking that first step to be broad and be as welcoming as possible, because you're going to be surprised by who responds, if you will. Does that make sense, Haley? Yeah. And I think just having a space for people to ask questions and talk about whatever they want, um, is really powerful because a lot of people like it's pretty intimidating. Like I think that there is society has kind of kind of has, you know, expectations around what Bitcoin is and it does come across as something that's kind of technical or geeky and it doesn't kind of focus more on the socioeconomic benefits that it has. So I think a lot of people are kind of turned off or nervous. And so they want to get into it, but it seems too technical and they just don't even know who to ask questions. They don't want to feel stupid. So just having a space for people to come and to just talk casually. Totally. And now going from the IRL world, which these cool kids say, which is in real life, um, to the online world, I think this is another area, if anyone's listening and they want to figure out other ways to get involved in the Bitcoin community, and we'll put this in the show notes, but these Slack and Discord communities, just joining them and lurking and listening and paying attention and then reaching out to folks, I think... This is where the consistency aspect as well as the follow-up. So consistency of being there with those consistent guidelines and kind of to enhance everyone's experience. And then following up, like for example, with our meetup, I think one of the things that made it take off was not only the topics, but our, our ability to follow up in a consistent manner with like what, hey, we're doing another meetup, uh, second Wednesday of every month. Here's a topic. Hey, reminder, reminder, day of reminder, and then so on. And then continuing to be uh, there so that 
you know, the, like how you're doing the program management, people like it oozes, um, your passion mm -hmm. and people gravitate towards that. And then they will then step up in my opinion to do better work or attend or do the, the thing that they were, um, said they were going to do. For sure. Yeah. And so I, I, kind of curious about the product management community because this is a fairly new community mm -hmm. and it's different than the design community. How did, how and why did this, it seems like this is a, it's like I'm working on LDK, I'm working on the design community. I'm also like working basically full-time supporting the spiral team of the, I think 10 or 11 grant, uh, uh, full-time employees. And now you're like, all right, yeah, of course I'm going to now contribute to the Bitcoin product management community. <laughs> like what's going on there? I'm curious. Yeah, that's a newer community. I actually didn't start that. Um, Pavlinex and Connor did, I think, um, like July uh, last year. And the goal of that was to basically get more product managers involved in Bitcoin FOSS projects. Um, so to kind of do similar work that they're doing and we're doing and um, to find projects that need help and to find people that would be able to contribute and to somewhat pair together to skill share to collaborate and then that kind of just blew up a little bit like you know there's like over 100 people there that nice. first it was four product managers but there's a lot of people um like me that's not a project product manager or there's operational people there's people of all different kinds and so we kind of realized that like that maybe isn't like exactly because you know it's bitcoin so it's maybe not product managers as per se and what you need in projects but it's people that kind of can do these different skill sets and add value. And um, so that's kind of the goal is to skill share there and to get more people involved and to bring more non-technical people into the space um, to contribute to projects. That is so dang cool because uh, I feel like any entrepreneurs in a way, their own product manager, obviously, but get, and I think a lot of people aspire to get into a product manager role, or they may be a product manager and they want to a leverage their skill set into the open source community. So just organizing that sub uh, group in a in another uh, Discord, which I, I've made just a note that I'm going to be joining that Discord here shortly and lurk. Um, that's for sure. By the way, you didn't even mention this other uh, open source project uh, that you work on, which is Hello Bitcoin. So, like, are there other projects that you, I don't even know that you're working on besides? You know, there's probably like <laughs> ten other ones. Probably. Uh, but Hello Bitcoin has been really interesting to me because um, there still is not, and this may be a positive, not a negative. But you know, when I when somebody asks me, "Hey, what's the one thing that I can read or watch to learn about Bitcoin?" Uh, in a good way, there's not really one thing. There's like it's a journey, right? So you got to like read this. You got to understand all of these different areas to really grok Bitcoin. And then even when you grok it, you still don't get it, like me. But hello, Bitcoin, to your point around making, you know, the fear, uncertainty and doubt that even just saying the word Bitcoin to provide a welcoming space to say, okay, here are all the things that I, that my FUD, it's basically like a FUD buster uh, site, in my opinion. Um, how did that kind of start with you guys? And then I also noticed that you guys are looking for a new lead yeah. uh, for that project. Yeah, so that also started before my time too. And then I kind of joined when I joined Spiral to help out um, with community management and just program management and different efforts there. So um, yeah, there's there's four of us. We're kind of, we've kind of been somewhat on maintenance mode just for 
various reasons. Um, but yeah, we've produced various videos and the goal is to have a friendly, welcoming space for people to to come to and to learn about Bitcoin and to not be around the price or the mechanics, uh, something too technical to kind of scare people away. And so that brand's been really awesome and um, it's done great things and there's a lot of ways that it can con- continue to grow. So we're we're looking for more people to contribute. So if anyone is interested, it's a kind of volunteer position, open source, and um, we want to kind of keep the brand focused on being a friendly, welcoming space. But there's a lot of ways that, that you can, they can go. So yeah, hello Bitcoin on Twitter and uh, we kind of have more information there about that project lead role. We'll put the project lead role in the show notes as well. Highly recommend digging into that. And if you have any questions, if people are cool to hit you up, um, that that would be great. This brings up another area, and this is more of a broad topic. I'm always interested in the free versus paid work conundrum for folks. You know, there's amazing work to volunteer towards Hello Bitcoin to these open source projects and so on, but almost undoubtedly. Uh, a number of them are unpaid, right? Other than applying for grants or asking for donations. It's just very, it's it seems difficult in that way. And then there obviously is paid work. But then there's the conundrum of just doing free work that somebody's taking and then leveraging uh, for you to quote unquote, get, as the creator, uh, get exposure sometimes is like the, the the pitch. How do you think about that? Like the free versus paid work model, if you will. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel very grateful to have like a full-time position on spiral and, you know, be paid to work in Bitcoin and especially in this market is it's can be harder to get funding and there's less roles. And so I think that like two things, one, I think that if you're really passionate about Bitcoin and kind of what it can do to, to change the world, honestly, uh, it's a great way, like joining the open source community to kind of have it be a passion project and to work towards something that you believe. And then in the process, you can meet a bunch of really cool people that are working on cool things. So that's a great way to like make friends, find a community. Um, and that's really powerful. And also, um, you know, it's a great time to also kind of build up your portfolio, if you will, of projects that you're contributing to, to meet people, to network. Um, you know, it takes a lot of time to, to get a job um, and to get paid. And that doesn't, I think a lot of people think that can happen automatically um but it takes work so doing free work is also a great way to get closer to a paid position we've had people that have been spiral grantees that are now you know full-time positions at you know other companies and that can kind of be like a stepping stone there so um i think it's a great way you, you know everyone has their own you know way they manage their time and how much free work that they want to do so that's a personal decision but um it's a great way to meet people and do work. I I think you nailed it. it one of the things that Steve said when he was a speaker at the meetup uh, was around the what the grantees have done next. So you mentioned getting full-time jobs. The other is like starting their own um, startup as well, which has been pretty cool. So you may even find inspiration in working on an open source project. You may find a partner that you're like, hey, we've been working on this amazing together. What about this idea? And we go and uh, productize it and build something. Uh, with the open source ethos at the core of our of our product or service, um, I'm really bullish on that end. Um, yeah, 
I will say one thing that you guys and just in general inspired, we need more spiral. So like, I think it was Connor on your team wrote the framework for um, Bitcoin open source development or sustainable open source Bitcoin development on the spiral blog. How do we create more spirals? Because it is very difficult. You know, you don't have a big Bitcoin focused uh, entity to like give you the runway and support and the room to, you know, be yourselves and and build this like other, really like other places, because I feel like you have to be bought into Bitcoin in order to do this. And I shouldn't even say this on air, but I w- we're going to figure out something like once we get to, we're in the, there's three phases of the park. There's the don't die. There's like the barely above water breathing and then, you know, shoot the moon. Once we're like, above water and about to hit the shoot the moon phase i really want to do park residency where we are a very junior watered down version of what spiral is right now but like try to build something like that so that you know we're basically supporting the ecosystem so it's not so dependent on one uh grantor if you will to fund we need just multiple funding streams because it could be a I think there's a way that where it becomes a competitive, not a competitive advantage. It's it's critical to the business in order to support and fund open source. For example, imagine building your entire business on PDK. Well, if there's no support for PDK, that would be an attack vector on your business. So of course you want to be one of the supporters of the BDK project. Oh, and now you've incorporated LDK. So like, how do we support the LDK project? You know, and there's all these little things that I think will come about. And for us, it's, we just want to support the entire uh, ecosystem. So I think something like that in the future, probably not the near future, because we've got to survive first and foremost. <laughs> but um, I think, and I hope... I would love to see a line of sight for other entities to do this. So I'm not, I'm curious to know your thoughts on other entities doing something similar to spiral. Yeah. I mean, we definitely need more spirals. We definitely need more people and companies in the space that are providing funding. Um, I think it's in order to get that uh, it is, it's logistically complicated to, to fund people. Um, There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to like issue grants and, very methodical approach that uh, Connor and everyone on the team who's involved take to funding people. And so I think we can do, you know, a better job of kind of having more of a playbook to answer any questions that people might have to what we've done and to kind of make it easier uh, for other people to start up something similar. Um, But I also think that's a great way too for people who want to contribute to Bitcoin and they're not necessarily like a developer or designer and they don't know how, um, but if, you know, you're interested and, funding people like that is a great way to get involved and help rally support and take away that logistical pressure um, to make it possible and more easier to pay people. Totally. Um, I told you this time was going to go like this and it's well into the the hour right now. But one thing when we had a quick coffee conversation uh, and I feel like you do this really well, just even again, knowing you very little, but it's kind of like planting a seed, you know, like, Hey, did you ever think about this? When you asked me, Hey, did you ever think about writing a, a post on how to start a park or how to start a community space? And, uh, I didn't really think about it, but now you kind of put it all together because so many people from different walks of life are saying how to do this. 
and I'm going to hold myself a little bit accountable. Tom's going to cut this segment out and then, you know, send it back to me and be like, Hey, you said it, man, you got to do it now. Um, which is, I'm going to create the framework similar to how you guys wrote this post, but with a lot of detail on how to create these spaces, because I would love to see more of these spaces. I had Alicos and Daniela on builders right before this. Um, they're building out hack.bs.it on Brescia, Italy. We got folks in Satoshi's place in the UK. We got, I think it's called Bob's place in Thailand. We got a new pop-up community space in Auckland, New Zealand. We got, of course, got Bitcoin Commons and Pleb Lab in Austin. We have PubKey in New York. I feel like there's this beautiful map of all these amazing meetups that are popping up. And they're all popping up organically. And it's so amazing. And let's call those the red dots. And then there's these orange dots that are overlaying and they're slowly building up with these community spaces. And so I don't know why I just started talking about my you know, personal book of business, but I, I'm going to hold myself accountable in the next, what it's February 15th right now or 13th right now, end of quarter Q1. I'll write the first framework and I'm going to pass it along to you uh, for review. Yeah, you should. I'll yeah. bug you about it. I'm really good at bugging people to write things and keeping them on track. Um. I say, you say bugging, I say inspiration and motivating, but, uh, thank you for that. And so we talked about a lot of things. I mean, again, I'm mesmerized by where you spend your time. I'm impressed by your ability to plant seeds and kind of, again, you're like the, the John Stockton, if you will. And hopefully, you know, that's like a massive compliment. Um, well, this has been freaking fascinating. Uh, I th- feel like I can go for another hour, and now we're up to the hour, hour marker here. Um, are there any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience with? or And also, please, where they can find you? Yeah. I mean, um, closing thoughts. If you're thinking about Bitcoin or you're like kind of nervous and you don't know where to start, I mean, feel re- free to reach out to me. Join any community. Don't be nervous. Like, Try to avoid imposter syndrome, even though I know it's real. Um, because uh, at the I end live of the day, everyone. <laughs> every day, by the way, imposter <laughs> yeah. syndrome. That's for 100% Everyone sure. does. Yeah. Um, so, you know, try not to be too nervous and just reach out to people. People tend to be friendly and answer questions and just start slowly, learn about it. Um, but yeah, kind of my closing thoughts is just go for it. Like, you know, you're not going to know until you try. And so you might like it, um, you might not, but I think you will. And yeah, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, and I'll be sure to respond. Absolutely. So we'll put your Twitter handle, which I believe is H Burko, B E R K O E. Yeah. Um, in the show notes as well. Um, Haley, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Hey everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Haley as much as I did. Haley's ability to connect all people in the common purpose of building on Bitcoin is an important and noble effort. If we want a world where 8 billion people have access to Bitcoin, the capital B, the monetary network, and Bitcoin, the lowercase b, the reserve asset. I know I do. If you're enjoying the pod and want to automatically stay up to date, please like and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app and make sure auto download is on. This would also mean the world to me. Lastly, come visit us in Nashville, Tennessee at Bitcoin Park. Go to bitcoinpark.com and see all the ways to connect with us and stay up to date. Until next time.